does bringing a little bit of levity and a little bit of fun to the big, big issue of race. Warren getting canceled? I don't know, but you know what? I will tell you this. I have a phenomenal woman who is stepping into the chat today and I think she is up to the challenge and we are both going to find out, okay? So let me tell you about her. This is the CEO of Embrace Your Fitness. She has had such an interesting journey because she was a federal prosecutor and civil rights coordinator in New Jersey, tri-state, woo woo, give it up. Okay, now she's a health and wellness coach and trainer she was also a performer. She's a speaker. And so, like I said, she is in, she actually came to me. It was like, we need to have this talk. So everybody give it up for coach Lisa. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Taylor. Lisa, I feel like you're, cause I love even in our emails, like her signature, her everything. She's like coach Lisa. So that's why I was saving your name for the end because I feel like it just warrants like that hype up. Like I just love, even like I could call you Lisa, but I just love calling you coach Lisa. So I feel like it's worth the the hype, man. <laughs> whoop, whoop. That's what Thanks. I'll say to that. Happy to be here today and happy to, you know, maybe give a different angle to something people are hiding in the shadows or having a whole lot of angst about. Well, what I love about you, Lisa, is your mindset because so we connected everybody because I gave almost like a talk. It was a Q&A um, about the show, about what I do. And Lisa had reached me after being like, this is everything I'm about having not having the fear, having these conversations. That's how we move forward. Not with like dropping the judgments, dropping, putting people in boxes, name calling. And you see it as I do as very liberating. And as you say, illum illuminating and freeing and fun. Yes. So I love that. And isn't it kind of, it's quite sad that that in and of itself is refreshing, right? Oh, I think it's very sad. It's just, it's kind of a reflection of what we've come to. And we weren't, to me, always in this state where people were, I think in absolute fear or in states of ignorance, and we've taken the word ignorance and given a very negative state to it, but sometimes it's just that we don't know. Um, and so the don't know and the fear put together means that lack of conversation and lack of connection. So you just pretend. So there's a lot of people that are just pretending, basically. They have yes. thoughts, but they don't express them. That has to be hard to live and we have to break out of it. And it is heightened now more than ever. We're going to get into all of this. I mean, I have even heard people say, Lisa, you know, I never even thought about race. And now like I see a black person in like the grocery store and I don't even want to make eye contact or, and we don't want to be there. Right. It's in some ways, I feel like we've almost gone backwards. So we're going to talk about all of this. And I also want to talk about all of the, cause you know, me and my show, I look at pop culture, right? So I want to talk to you about appropriation the n-word in music you know the kardashians wearing braids all of that but first yes. you are willing to have this conversation to bridge the gap to build community so do you see how people and i don't know if you've been labeled this this in the past but labeled as like an uncle tom or like an enabler right because it is we are in that place where it's like how dare you you know you can't well, it's like a boxing thinking. So, you know, just a, a, a little bit about my background, I, yes. I often integrated school systems, you know, growing up. And so I would often find myself maybe the only black person in a class 
sometimes in the school. So, um, you know, names and things that people would refer or, uh, or I will say assumptions about me because of who were my group of friends and who did I hang around with? There might be people that would have assumptions that I don't know myself or I don't relate. And then there would be assumptions on the other side that I was sort of an outsider temporarily in with a group. So it was saying I could see, and this is one of the reasons why I was so passionate about maybe doing this kind of or having this dialogue is I can see how people through a lot of, um, misunderstanding, misinterpretation, or stuck in their own ways, start to label and start to make presumptions about people with not even ever uttering a word with them, making a presumption, just seeing them. And so the only way that I can see forward through that is actually to say, so in a long way, yes, I've been called all sorts of names from um, the N-word all the way to Uncle Tom by some people, depending on what is it, how I speak or how I express. Um, I've been labeled, uh, oh, you know, you're, when I was really good and the things that I would do really well as a prosecutor, well, that's just a natural talent you have, as opposed to this years of schooling and education. So sometimes people would say things because that's maybe their, history with people of my color or sometimes people of my color would say things because they didn't know anyone that was doing things that I was doing so mm -hmm. whatever side of it it's like instead of getting to know an individual you make it presumptions and thoughts mm -hmm. based on your own upbringing you know your own processing of humankind but the, there's only one way forward you know either you stay in your box that's that's a way forward I mean that's people have been doing that and maybe more so now yes um, or you break out of your box you got well, two, that's, you know, that's your choice that's right and that's why we're both so passionate about it because I feel like the climate we're in now where people like you said stay in their box talk to their family and friends behind you know in the shadows yeah. I just feel that it's so detrimental and the fact that you have been called or labeled everything literally from the n-word to uncle tom yeah. is really crazy to me yeah. Talk about, just so we can, you know, get into that experience for people who don't know, like maybe some, you know, not that this is easy to talk about, right? But some microaggressions or things that you have experienced, you know, yeah. that maybe aren't always brought to the light because it is like maybe a little, you know, not that they're little, but it's always like being called the N-word. That's very, very brash and aggressive, right? Like maybe smaller things that people wouldn't normally know about. Yeah, so I'm going to say, you know, yes, there's some red lines and people, everyone can say like, oh, yes, that's not right, you know, or, or you can hear it. But the smaller things right, exactly. that happens, a series of things, especially during in the career side. So for, for instance, um, sitting in my room as a federal, pro as an assistant federal prosecutor, right, having been there for a long time, seeing someone come down the hall that I have an appointment with, they see me. And they don't come in my office. They, they look at me then they look back at the title just to make sure it's me. Then they come in the office and say, well, I was looking for, I'm looking for Lisa. As opposed to if you're sent down the hallway, your, your presumption is if the secretary says go in that office, the person sitting at the desk with pictures all around and stuff is that person. So, you know, that would happen. I would, I, I, you know, that 
to some people that's that's so small, but to other people, it's like, well, then that's absolutely ridiculous. Now you set a tone for our meeting or going in a store as simple as that. And I've had this happen many times over my life where you go in the store and, and I know security and I know people and people are following you. So they're following and you know, they're at a distance, but they're following you, especially if you pick something up. So I would have fun with it because that's just my personality. So I'm picking up everything. I'm pulling it kind of close, new things because I want to drive you absolutely crazy. You're going to follow me. I'm going to give you a reason to have, you know, to look real close. Um, but those are small things. And But what those things do is that when you have something that you have to really confront, you're not just confronting something that just happened you're confronting thought processes and feelings and frustration for a lifetime. Now, mm -hmm. someone else comes and confronts you on something and they think it's just this small thing, but it, it, it tends to be that you bring everything to the table sometimes, if you're not careful of your own life history of experiences. So I could, I could magnify those which seem small, multiple times, so many times that you don't even think about it. It's so often that you don't think about. And yeah. you know, these conversations have opened my eyes too, because I feel like there are times also because of that and because of those lived in life experiences that I would never know, right? Just like, you know, a, a guy would never know experiences day to day that I have getting cat call, you know, whatever it is. Right. But I feel like the lines also get blurred because there are times it's like, how do you distinguish? Is this a function of race or is it just what it is? Right. So take like work opportunity. I was at, and have been an entrepreneur in the media, you know, red carpet entertainment landscape for almost a decade. And I'll have friends of mine who are black saying, oh man, like I, I have a bad spot on the red carpet, like way in the back and almost insinuate it's because that they're black. And I'm thinking in my head, like I have the exact same thing. So I don't know that it's, you know what I mean? So it's like, how do you distinguish? But at the same time, like, I, because what you're saying, like all these life experiences built up, I could understand why the default is like, here we go again. You know, maybe when it's not even about that, you know? And, it's, and it can be, and that's the complicated nature of things, but we're going to uncomplicate it a little bit, but it can be a mix of things. You know, so many people have a certain biases that they bring to the table. We all do actually, it doesn't really matter what race you, we, we all have biases based on our upbringing, what we're told, we, some things we, we act on, some things we say, oh no, that was a product of another generation, um, but we bring. And so there can be decisions that are made sometimes. Um, you know, there were times in my career that I was told, oh, you know, we, you know the numbers, they just wanted, oh, we, you know, we already have a couple of, you know, African-Americans. And so now we're looking for something else. The so quotas, it, gives you yeah. this, it gives you this scarcity. So I can only imagine if someone's coming in and doing interviews and saying, wow, you know, I really want to do, and I would love to be up front. And they don't see, and because maybe they've lived a little bit of that scarcity, I call it the scarcity effect, you know, like only one, you know, one at a time, or, you know, one with a friend that doesn't look like you, or, you know, mm -hmm. colorism within, you know, even a light skin, not a dark. So all of that. So now someone comes in and makes a decision, which they think is just based on the paper. The person is also saying like, are you seeing the history here? Are you seeing, are you taking into account the full nature of it? And they may interpret it 
rightly or wrongly, that 50% of the decision was made this way or 20%. Right. You never know. Um, the key is you can't live your life that way. You can't prove that, or you can't really know for sure that that's the reason. So you have to operate at your A plus level and give something different and unique and, Mm -hmm. you know, rely on that. That's going to be a motivating moving force for you coupled with, you know, mentorship and all of that in any business. You know, it is, it is, it's complex because I feel the same way. And I speak about this often about womanhood. And I really don't like when women put themselves automatically in the box of like, oh, I'm just going to be getting shut out by like my male patriarchal boss in a meeting, or I'm not going to get this raise or, oh, men, you know, I just, I don't like that mindset. I mean, do you know guys up until this day, how many meetings where it'll just be me little old five, one Taylor in a meeting, proving myself and my work and my show, whatever it is to a group full of men, but I'm not going to put myself in that victim mentality because I just think it automatically puts us down and doesn't serve us. And to your point, it's, it's like debilitating, right? So it's like, what's the line. And to me, I just don't see it as, you know, empowering. I see it as, like I said, debilitating. I think you're right. And the sad aspect of it is it's it's debilitating to you. It's debilitating your thoughts about yourself. And it may be debilitating also to your performance ultimately because you're tied in. So I think it's, it's, to me, how I live is I don't operate on the presumption. I don't operate on the presumption that because someone asked me a question that, and I, you know, the nature of the question, that that means they're racist because they asked me a question. I don't operate on the presumption that even if it's something or they state, you know, make a statement, I'm always been a free spirit person and, 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 I will always follow up with a question. I will find out because I'm inquisitive. What's the nature or why you ask this or what you really want to know, but I don't meet a conclusion. And I think that's the problem. If you have something that happens and you make a conclusion, then it's almost game over internally. Because once you've made the conclusion, you'll find a lot of ways. That's how the brain works. It'll verify your conclusion five times over. Mm. Ah, Ah, ha, ha. And now you repeat it. And you put yourself in this sort of, Mm -hmm. I call a negative space. And it's really hard to climb out of that. And it's hard to hear people even on a reasoned argument to get yourself away from that because you've confirmed it mentally. Now, I'm curious for your take, because as we know, everything is left, right, politicized. And the way I see it, I feel like the left puts minority groups in a constant, like suppressed, victimhood in that box, right? Whereas to the right, they're like, there's no such thing ever, you know? And and I'm guilty of even making this argument. I've been like, look at some of the most powerful people in the world, Obama, Oprah, Beyonce, right? But, you know, is it fair to say, you know, it's a little bit, maybe it's a little bit of both. And we are so quick to put it in the box of either or, right? You know what I say, Taylor? It's almost like, different language. Like people come in and they're speaking different language, right? And no one's taking the time to understand what someone else is saying. And then going back to their corner saying, I'm right and I'm right. And at the end of the day, a lot of it is based on, and just put this in context. So let's say something like this. So someone says Black Lives Matters, right? And get a hearty hitting, right? And someone says, all lives matter. 
and the person that heard Black Lives Matter said All Lives Matter. And it's two different things being said, but not just, you know, if you intellectually can say, well, okay, All Lives Matter, I can understand that intellectually, or Black Lives Matter, you're saying that we should care what's happening and it's a lot of tragedy. But the person that says Black Lives Matter is not just saying it that yes, it matters. There's there's a history behind it. It's like, you know, from lynching, from slavery, from what happened after reconstruction, from destroying cities, from so it's not just what. So when someone says it, it says it with the earth shaking nature of do you care what happens to black people? Do you care that they're killed? Now, someone saying all lives matter comes from a beautiful thing of my goodness if you're if you have a, if you're coming from a spiritual side it says you know we're, every life is precious and we should care and love lift and love on every life and so of course all lives matters and that's black lives yellow lives it doesn't matter what life it is we want to uplift we want to be together those are two very passionate based in something grounding but yet when they come together, yeah. all someone hears is you don't hear what I'm saying. Yes. You don't hear what I'm saying. Yeah. You're a racist. You, you know, you're this. And they go to their corners and everyone feels they're right. Yep. No one ever talks. So, yep. Yeah. So here's an example. And this is where it has, I think after everything that unfolded on a global scale, scale, right? George Floyd, BLM, like that has really, I think, changed this whole dynamic. Here's a little bit of an example of that. And I wanted your take on this. There was a huge kind of viral vanity uh, fair piece that was published, I believe last year. And it was called, Will Woke Go Up and Smoke? And the writer is biracial. She, I believe is half black, half white. And she talks about how she was in a Whole Foods in Santa Monica and she reaches for an avocado and there's a white lady, you know, with her care, with her stroller, whatever, who reaches for the same avocado and the white lady goes to give it to her, right? Because she like feels guilty. And the writer, she, Lisa's laughing. Do you see what I mean, Lisa? And the, yes. but this is the twist, but this is the twist. And the writer says, you know, I was like a little pissed off that she did that, but at the same time, I want her to do that. Right. So it's like, it's like, can you win? Like what, right? And it, and, it, and it boils down to to people feeling awkward in the smallest interactions in a grocery store over an avocado. Over an avocado. Here's the thing. I had people coming up to, to me expressing their sadness about being white, apologizing. The for white guilt. Relatives that they don't know. You know, <laughs> yes. I, I, I don't, I, I can't, I, it's too much. And and I say, okay, so here we are at this turning point, and this is what I'm hoping. This is what I'm hoping um, that we can go in a couple of different directions. The direction that would be phenomenal is to say, if we want to have real conversation, we want to know, we want to really understand. The best way to understand is to educate. And you, yes, option. Oh, you know, person that I want to know about. Tell me about your history, and that's an option. It's so a one of education, but the other education can come from just immersing yourself into really understanding a history that's rich. So when we're talking about black and white, you know, when I look at, there's a wonderful book, Black History, 1619 to 2019, not the 1619 project, but this particular book really goes through just factually, there's no politics behind it, 
what has happened over the time period. It's a history book, but it's wrought with an understanding that we weren't taught in school. So to know that there's been millionaires and very successful black people on the whole history of this country, mm -hmm. and to know that one of the key components was the inability of blacks to really give wealth over. So we don't have that generational wealth because of laws, because of theft, but couldn't give it to the next generation, but that we've always been achievers, you know, to be rich that, it's not just the 10 people, 10 or seven people they talk about at Black History Month, but it's it, you couldn't put enough, you couldn't fill enough books with the scientists and the doctors and the inventors. And I think when we both get on the same page of knowing what the rich history is, then you know we're we're in a better position to say okay, you know when we're talking about anything about something you know uh, curriculum critical racing or something we're having a debate mm -hmm. or talk about, we can say you know we both are coming from an, an understanding, not a personal understanding, but a factual understanding of what has happened. That's one. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is just to have a willingness to really, I'm going to say, not just be heard, because that's what I keep being here. I just want to be heard. It's not really so much about the heard side of it. It's really, do you want to be in a conversation which requires people to actually listen? Like, I want to listen. I want to mm -hmm. hear what you said, not just hear it. I want to absorb it. Mm -hmm. I want to have an open heart about it. And how do I know if I listened? Then before I utter something, before I have my talking point, I want to be able to say, okay, so, all right, so this is what you just said. You just said X. And if I didn't hear you right, I got to stop and listen again because something got lost. Maybe I was starting to think about, oh, I disagree with this or that. Yeah, it's got to go yeah. back to old fashioned. But, what's a conversation? But you know what I've seen a lot of Lisa off of that point is people saying, you know, you don't have a place in this conversation. Like, because of that, like you need to only hear us. You need to only, and again, this comes down to whether it be, you know, for black people, for women. And also I don't, I keep making that parallel. Like, I don't know if that's an okay thing to do, but, um, but that idea of like, no, no, like now you just sit down and listen because, and, and that, I don't know. I mean, I understand it. It's your, it's, it's totally the idea of actually hearing people out and listening, but how far does that get us when it's not able to be a two-way street to your point to listen, respond, converse. Yeah, move because, we, because after you listen, you get a chance to respond. Okay. And then the other person has to listen, really hear you really be able to do the same. It's got to be two people doing the same so thing. So you take issue with just sit and listen to us and that's it. Quiet. No, because we live together in a society. So, all right. If we only are going to live in a way where we don't really converse in any meaningful way, except for what's necessary, you know, like necessary at work or necessary to, to do our daily living. Okay. That works mm -hmm. kind of. Right, right. But if you want to be in a place, if we want to advance, there's got to be a two-way street lesson. Yeah. We moved away from educating, really educating on this country. We don't, a lot of people don't even know a lot of what went into making this country, how many people of all colors that were a part of, you know, the making of this country and the, the brilliance of the constitution. And, you know, so it drives me absolutely 
crazy when people are just taking pieces of history mm-hmm. that they want to latch on and not really understanding the full nature and then labeling all people bad. So anytime your mouth says all people, this people, that people bad, I call it the lazy brain. I mean, you just really <laughs> slowly stopped. Your brain just and you yeah. wanted a shortcut all races fought all ways for all things to change and you would so if that's the case then how can all this color be bad mm-hmm. you know and you can say that with women and men issues you know you can so stop having the lazy brain bring it down to a micro level like we're talking about communities communities right communicating wow. i mean think about even like a relationship with a loved one. It's like, what if it was like, no, no, you just hear me out now and you don't get a chance to respond. And it's like, well, that seems healthy to me. Um, Lisa, when I, and then we're going to pivot a little bit into, um, I don't know if you saw this, but a proposed bill in California to separate and to do reparations. I want your take on that. But when I mentioned the lady in the avocado, you laughed. And I'm curious to you what, like your initial, like why that's funny and what goes on in your head when you, when you heard that. I'm thinking to myself a couple of things. One, avocado represents (laughs) the history of the world and the the reparations and, and the, the apology and all of these like huge things behind an avocado, yet it's just an avocado. That's part of my laughter. The other thing is, is that, you know, there's something called just baseline human decency. We used to do it, you know, like sometimes you open the door for someone, you give someone that, oh, 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 you were in line first or you have more things and and everything is not in the construct of race. So sometimes the avocado could just have been an avocado. Like, oh, you know what? You were there. I can see, you know, you're younger than me. Whatever the reason someone comes up with, they might've just been polite. And so I, I laugh at, have we gotten to a point where, we can't even see that there could just be some niceties or maybe it was just a happenstance thing and and it really just was the avocado right and someone that was really being super super nice and wanted you to have it and so you know to me that makes me smile and it maybe makes people have a little levity that everything doesn't have to have the weight of the world there's enough that has the weight of the world on it we don't have to bring it to every level but it, but it's on the forefront now. And that's, that's, you know, my point, it's like in every little interaction and everything that we do. And even like, I know I said before, like making the female womanhood comparison, like to hear that, is that annoying? Or are you like, no, I, I get it. I could see it to like make that parallel. I know it's totally apples and oranges, but. Well, to me, I know it doesn't annoy me. I think we're always looking for ways to un- of understanding. Wrap our heads so, around, yes. Right. So I have a certain experience that's mine. Yes. And someone else has one that's theirs. And can we find, okay, common ground understanding so that when we talk, we know we're coming from a certain way. Is it the exact same? No. Can right. it be? But does that mean that it can't be discussed and understood in a certain way on certain points? That's where I'm saying, you know, I think that's what's being lost because a lot of people pull their hair out and say, no, it's completely different. You can't say that, you know, how dare you? That in and of itself is racist. You know, like, I mean, that, that phrase gets, you know, snapped on pretty much anything, anything. 
Yeah. I want to talk to you about Morgan Wallen, but before that, this is your bread and butter, given your work. I mean, even your personal experience, you talk about being in school and being integrated your work, like I said, as a prosecutor, civil rights coordinator. So this California, the story, I literally saw it this morning. Um, so they have proposed reparations to black citizens, black business owners, monetary, of course, and then they have a proposal of separating school systems. So they'd be publicly funded black schools described as African-American freedmen owned and controlled K through 12 colleges and so on. Now your thoughts on this, because I feel like anybody with common sense would go, are we going backwards? Why are we separating us more? Um, what, what's your reaction to that? So um, not having all the details of the story, I'm going to yes, give my on just what you shared with me. Um, and, and it's going to be a little bit two way to think about this. Yes. Okay. So uh, up until when we were, when segregated was the land of the law, really the law of the land, excuse me. And so in those time periods where there was um, a robust, black businesses and banks and hotels and their own baseball teams and all of these things. And so when desegregation happened, one would think you would say, okay, well, we have this all white, we have this all black, you know, now both people can go to both things and both people can do all this, but it didn't happen that way. So sort of everything that was the black owned was sort of decimated. I think they said about a hundred thousand superintendents and school teachers were pretty much let go because they weren't allowed to go into the white school system. And so there's um, been some education and, and some studies about how young black children can learn, especially young black boys and how it can be beneficial. Okay. So I give that side of it Got because it. there's always multiple things. Got it. But on its face, here's the problem when a school district just does that. They're not basing it on Oh, okay, let's look at the past and history. Let's understand what worked and didn't. How is this? It's a it's a gut knee reaction, my view, to say, how can we just change things? You know, and what if some people don't want to do that? What happens to them? So I'm always thinking that. So now we're sort of where we were, but it's sanctioned again by the government to say you have to be separate. Now, what if you don't want to be separate? What if you are biracial, which is, you know, what if you, you know, um, most of your friends are over here? Well, what are you going to do? So now the state is going to mandate mm -hmm. something that is pretty much everything that would be absolutely abhorrent to Martin Luther King, in my estimation. That's not the, the society that he was looking towards. Now, maybe how desegregation happened, lots of issues with that. But to come back at this end and try to force through the state, I think it's wrought with challenges, problems, and sort of mixed messages to the millions of now new people coming up mm -hmm. um, that won't have the benefit, the understanding, the real... Um, a wonderful nature of being able to communicate across lines, to be able to right. socialize and, and see people from their heart outwardly. And if you're going to mandate that by the state, well, I see you're going to have multiple problems over the years. You're just going to see it 
but I see more negative from the state coming in like that than positive. That's such a beautifully layered and nuanced way of looking at it. So I appreciate that, Lisa. Um, On that note, pivoting to entertainment, you have BET, right? And I don't know if you remember this, but Stacey Dash, famous actress, was in Clueless, got a lot of heat because she talked about the kind of the essence of this saying, why are we separating ourselves with things like BET? Now I'll tell you this little story. Funny enough, it was actually right before COVID. I was at an event sponsored by BET, BET's everywhere. And who's there, but Stacey Dash. So <laughs> I go up to her and I have, a, and I'm, we're all, you know, it's at these kind of like, you know, it's like the, the table, the number tables and the foods being served and the whole thing. So I go up and literally squat next to Stacey Dash. I don't know if she wants to talk to me, but I'm like, I'm going to give it a go. Right. And I end up, she's like, sure. Like, couldn't be cooler. So I'm literally squatting between her and her publicist. And I had a, and I thought she was very eloquent and thoughtful. And I asked her about it. And I said, Stacy, you know, you got so much flack for speaking up about BET. Here you are at a BET event. And, you know, where do you sit? Where do you stand with it all? And she said to me, I thought it was very, I like how she saw both sides. She said, you know, I feel like I never left. I would be totally open to working with them again. She said, but on the same time, I don't regret anything that I said. Now, could I have said it better? Could I have communicated more efficiently so people understood? Yeah, but I don't regret it. And I stand by what I say. And I stand in the end of, in, in, at the end of the day in love not to separate us, right? But in love. And I thought that was, you know, I really liked that. So I'm curious, Coach Lisa, for, you know, your reaction and even, you know, entertainment wise, you know, hearing that and, you know, things like a BET, how you feel about that? Well, I'm probably um, on on the aspect of there's so much on that history side of things and what BET has represented because there was such a lengthy time um, where people really didn't have opportunity. I mean, they didn't have opportunity elsewhere, sure. you know? And so it's a rich history to say, you know, like I, it, it, it's one of uh, many, but one that, that just opened up and let talent soar. And so I understand that rich history. And I also understand that there's um, an, an, a part of being a, in the culture that says we want to celebrate that. Where I sort of fall is a little differently is that in the celebration, you don't want to be isolation. So celebration without isolation, that's what I'm saying. You can, I can say, hey, you know, Taylor, listen, I want to talk to you about, you know, I did ancestry and we went all the way to um, Louisiana and then we can trace back to Haiti and I can talk and celebrate something unique. Mm -hmm. That's me, but I can do it with you. So so I don't have to isolate. I don't have to just celebrate in one sphere. And so I think it's really important. The biggest message for me and how I live my life is I do really look for the inside of a person. The outer shell cannot dictate to you how good or bad or what that person is. And if you only are relying on that, I'm going to say that you're probably going to find yourself in a lot of trouble at different times because it's the heart of a person. And if you're not even willing to 
talk to or you're so separated because now you're in a school system that doesn't have the heart of anybody other than someone that looks like you, you never have the opportunity. You know what though, Lisa, that's an interesting concept in and of itself. Cause I'm thinking, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, right? Like how great would it be to your point? If we just saw somebody's like, if we were almost like colorblind, right. But then we saw someone's, you know, who they were right on the inside, but then on the other part of it, for so many people, life experience and all of that is, is, has been based on skin color, right. For better or worse. And even like, you know, another pop culture reference, but there was a housewife. It was, I don't know if you saw this. It was an Asian, a Chinese housewife and a white housewife. And the white housewife said this sentiment, right? Like, I don't see color. And the Asian woman's like, give me a break. What do you mean you don't see color, right? So it's that kind of push and pull because it's like, we don't want to, but then at the same time, like, unless you're Helen Keller, like, of course you see color. It's the first thing you see. So it doesn't serve us to be like, nope, don't see color. Like Lisa, you're not black. You know what I mean? It's like that. So it's, it's that push and pull of, of marrying the two. I think. I love what you just said. It's marrying. It's like, it's in the same soup. It's a delicious soup. You can make this soup. I don't have to deny who my history, my spirit, what I bring. I bring a certain sass. I bring something that's unique to me that's a reflection in some ways of where I've come from and how I've been brought. And and I'm not just talking about my parents, but my parents, parents, my parents, parents, parents. So I'm all of reflection of that. And I'm proudly that. But at the same time, I can still look for the heart of somebody. And when someone says, and I know, I know that, that what you were referring to in the Real Housewives, that particular episode. So what it's like two people speaking two different languages. Okay. So what the Chinese person heard was, you don't see me. What you heard was, you don't recognize my history, who I am. Yes. Pretending that I don't exist. And I'm tired of, because she's heard it from the standpoint of when people are dismissive. And I remember she's kind of a doctor or something. So it, it, she'd been dismissed. And so she's hearing this. The other person is saying, ideally, I would love to see people as people. Two people saying really nice things, but it's clashing. Not meeting eye to eye, right. Not meeting. And all that needed to be done to me, instead of this side reacting and saying, you know, you're bad, basically. And the other side saying, I was saying nice things and you're mean, you know, is saying, hey, at that moment, not 17 hours later, at that moment, you know, when I say this, I mean, this is what I'm saying. I mean, from my heart that I want this. Oh, but this is what you, when you say that, I think you're denying. And I want you to understand my history. Right. Both can be done. What's interesting is how the white lady got flack and had to do a whole public apology and everything. That's what came out of it, you know? We can talk about that. I had this little note for me, like uh, it's a it's a real problem. I think when I see someone say something, and you see it now all the time. It used to happen a couple occasionally, but I'm going to use I'm going to use Roseanne Barr. I mean, it's flat for this one, but I, you know, she said something completely outrageous. It was really it was a stupid. It was dumb. It was dumb. She was making a joke um, about um, someone that was in the Obama administration, and she referred and made a reference um, to an animal, right? A look, she made a visual look. It was, okay. it was, it was, it wasn't what it, it's 
derailed her career is no longer yes. the Rose Bar Show, that right? So yes. My whole thing was is that it, abhorrent, terrible. But where do we move from when someone says something? So maybe someone didn't say, you know, your example was not even that. It was something so far less, just maybe asking a question or saying about being colorblind. But where do we go from there when, when you do say something or you do ask a question that someone finds offense or finds a microaggression to it? Yeah. Does that mean that you're canceled? Does it mean you don't get to work anymore? Does it mean that you go on an apology tour? Well, are you, do you really understand why you're apologizing? Like, it, is it real? Because some people see that and say, I don't know, that just means you just want to stay on the show. Or is it better just to say, you know what, let's just set, the, let's really have a real conversation like we're talking about and let's hash it out like what things I really think and tell me where I'm wrong and I think this tell me where I've missed and at that point you know then people can I'm not saying it's all kumbaya but it's all really it's real it's not fake the apology tour reads fake to a lot of people I'll be honest with you a lot of people are like apology tour so you can stay on the show So here are two good examples, right? Morgan Wallen, white country singer, happened to get caught using the N-word almost like, I don't want to say a term of endearment, but like to his friend, but happened to get caught on camera, but not saying it in like a, you're a this, right? It was like, kind of like with his friend, whatever that kind of thing. Gina Rodriguez, Lisa's shaking her head. Gina Rodriguez, Latina actress, she's singing along to a song, uses the N-word, right ends up both of them get canceled morgan wallen to a much more severe degree um had to talk about you know what he learned and why it was wrong and all this now i are either of both of these necessary i'm i'm I'm, i always have a problem on the cancel side of things but i will say this it's just one of those words you know there's a couple words you just if you just can rob it out of your vocabulary, you're going to be good. Now, someone will say, well, wait a minute. I see all these songs. It hasn't it. Yes. I, That's it. Thing. I hear like people talking insane. to one another and they say it. Right. But yet there's so much in tied to that word. It's not a word that can be cleaned up in any way. And the only way that people uh, have said, okay, I think it's okay. is to say it amongst themselves. Personally, I don't like the word. I don't say it amongst myself. I right. wiped it from, I don't, I don't really don't like the word. I say, I just put this as advice out there, you know, cause I've heard some comedians will laugh about it. They say, you know, you can say <laughs> a lot of things but you really can't say it. And even though I want to say it then I can't say it. And, you know, it could be a, a, a lot of humor around it. It just has too much behind it. And suddenly someone saying it that doesn't look like the person who's been called it, it just instantly goes Uh another direction that cannot be bridged. It can't be bridged. That one, it's the amount I'm going to say, that one is on its island on its own. They're um, canceling. Here's the problem. Uh, Let's say I said it to you, you said one to a friend. Friend obviously was there. Okay, so can you say, is there any room for growth and learning? Can we, can we, can we forgive and can we seek better understanding? Can we help a person so that they know, you know, how people felt when hearing it and then let them live and have a career because they sing and they're good and maybe people would 
Right. You know, you are you cutting off something that could have been a greater lesson for a whole generation of people because now all these people are not going to hear the music or this paper's not going to play it or it can't be on the stream. You know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. People have a right to make a mistake and yeah. grow forward, right? I know for me, it's, I'm not like, I never use it. I, I even like, I'll be alone in my car and I will literally, I'll be singing it to a song alone in my car with the windows up and still be like, when it comes up, right? Like I, even when I hear it, I, it's just, it just feels very jarring to me. Right. And yeah. that's where it's tricky. Like say a Morgan Wallen, right. Say like he's, he's calling the friend and the friend is okay with it, but then community the gets outraged. Like what, you know what I mean? Like, oh. I would tell Morgan, it's my humble parental thing. I'd say Morgan, that's out of your language forever. Even if your friend is saying it, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I was saying to my friend, look around me, don't say it because just in case my head slips and I say something, it's just one of those words that cannot be, it cannot be washed in any way that can make someone other than someone that's been perhaps the victim of being called it in a not nice way. Uh, it can't, it just can't be. I haven't seen, I've heard all the arguments to say, why can't I, you know, it's in these right. 17,000 songs. Yes. But as soon as you say it, suddenly it's like those songs never existed. No one ever said it. Right? It's like you've just gone back a hundred years and, and wow. now you're out there by yourself because so, it has that much weight behind it. Would you say to black entertainers then don't use it, don't use it in your music? I would say, um, you know, it's not pleasing to me. I've heard this argument and I can't deny it for somebody else that it's an empowering thing that I'm rewriting it for me and what my history has been. And so when I say it, it's like a lift and I cannot deny that that for that artist, that's what it is. So I would never really say it. I don't, I would say for the person that's just throwing it around, give some other thought to that just because this mini artist before me has done doesn't mean that's the path you have to take. You know, like so much of this, it, I feel like it really comes down to the individual, like literally, yeah. like you're saying to the individual artist. maybe they are reclaiming it or maybe they don't want to use it. You know what I mean? And I, that's what I love about this is, is that what, that's what this is all supposed to be about is the individual, because we've made it into like a group think this group has to feel like this group, this group has to be this. And, right. um, we, we've lost that individualism in a way. Right? Oh my gosh, yes. And um, because I am an individual and I'll see something where they'll say, you know, they'll have some quote unquote expert come on and say, so this is, let's put the black view out, you know, like, or let's put the woman view out. Like, I don't like anything that tells me what my view is, especially right. maybe I don't have that view. Mm-hmm. So there's no group representatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we come back to what you saying, I love that is like, Yes, there's all this really rich things, but there is at the end of the day, an individual, right? So this individual said something, this individual, let's deal on an individual level about who that person is. Maybe that stops some of this sort of herd mentality to run someone mm. off the ranch. You know, it's like the crowd with the pitchforks, I feel yeah. at the ready to come with their pitchforks and run people out of industries and, you know, 
to what avail? That doesn't make anything better. No. That doesn't change anything. There's ways that you can empower our youth in ways and really open the truth in history and you know do things along the lines of we're talking about how to communicate and understand how to accept other people, how to deal with other people. You want to do something that's going to make a difference. Let's talk that. Mm-hmm. But throwing someone off the, you know, out the window because you don't like what they said, probably not going to change anything. You're like, but Morgan Wallen, stay in your lane, buddy. Stay in your lane, pal. <laughs> stay in your lane, but please, your beautiful lane, let him sing. <laughs> That's yes. all I'm Let him have a beautiful career and let him sing. Yes. Uh, you know, this has been really great. And I want to end it, Lisa. Don't all roads lead to and from none other than the Kardashians, right? But you brought up a really great point that I love that your, whether it be race or your sex, you know, identifying with that soul thing, it's a beautiful thing, but if you only identify with that, that's also not only limiting, but I feel can be dangerous, right? Because we're all more than one thing. So I want to talk to you about the idea of appropriation and celebrating each other's facets, you know, each other's cultures, right? Because I hear this come up a lot with the Kardashians, you know, they're profiting off of black culture, wearing braids, dating black men. And I also find this as a slippery slope. I could understand it to one degree, to some degree, but on the other end of it, again, like the woman comparison, I try to think of it as like, I'm also Jewish, right? To what end are we going to be territorial over our culture and celebrate and let everybody enjoy it? So like, am, it's, it's kind of like, well, do I want only Jewish people to make latkes? Like, go ahead and make latkes. And if you butcher them, have at it. You know what I mean? So it's that seesaw of what's appropriation and what is truly, you know, in my mind, celebrating each other's cultures versus like, no, it's mine. It's a real, and and I think you started off with saying it's such a slippery slope, but you also started off with saying it's the individual, right? So there are people that, um, and, you know, just in context, there are people over the, over history, right? That have taken ideas away from someone that have taken, um, you know, parts of their culture and claimed it as their own, you know? And so there's a, there's a history that people could point to and could know. And so for some, when they see something, they say, wow, braids not only in this country, but from Africa, and we have so much. And now to see that braid on that person and the person is not even reflectively understanding where this is coming from. This is not just a fad. This is a historical thing. Mm -hmm. And so it comes back to the individual. Someone that says, you know what? I am celebrating. I really, I love this culture. I when I was in college, I loved the Chinese culture. I, I really I did. I took Chinese culture. I knew I wasn't Chinese. I didn't, I didn't say I was Chinese, but I participated with them at the Chinese New Year. And I wore a little but something that so on my cool? website. Yes. Yeah, but I knew who I was. I wasn't trying to say. So if I can, I can't be two-faced. I can't say I can hang in a bee and be a part of something. And then say, if you want to put a brain in your hair or wear an Afro, you know, talk to me first. I mean, it, it's the idea comes back to the individual understanding that if I'm doing this, I'm doing it as a rich celebration of you. And I'm, I'm able to say that because I actually know that it's a rich celebration of you. And I'm, I, when I write the braid, I know braids come. So I think 
there's nothing to me and I don't study the Kardashians, so I don't <laughs> know them, but I haven't seen anything where they are assuming that, you know, nothing has come from black people that they do. And, you know, I don't think you're who you choose and love ever has to follow anyone else's prescription of, you know, appropriation or not appropriation. If you love someone, you love someone and then they look like this, that's how they look. So mm -hmm. um, I think where it gets in trouble is sometimes I've seen where people are saying things um, and dressing in caricature, almost like not as a celebration, but as a caricature and saying such. So I hold people mm -hmm. accountable to the words they say, what their expressions are, how they are doing something. And there is something to be said to, you know, um, understand that what you're doing could be hurtful to somebody else. Um, that being said, a lot of individuals really are in a celebratory way, want to just be a part, want to think. And yes, they should be able to. Um, you know, but know that you may get some blowback. It's not like it used to be. You can't just dress up as a Native American princess on Halloween and think that you're going to be okay, but it's going to take a little appreciation and understanding and maybe really thinking about what you dress up because pictures are a thousand words and people just take the snapshot and then put the comments below. Um, you know, like I said, if you go on my website, you see me in a in an authentic seven hundred year old jacket from Chinese culture, not belonging to me. Um, teaching others some a dance, uh, you know, would I be denied that? I hope not. I mean, the way exactly, and the way we're going. I remember doing an episode over this past Halloween going, are we going in that direction where little girls can't dress up as Moana or as this? I mean, I worshiped Mulan. I was obsessed with Mulan when I was younger, dressed up as Pocahontas. Like, and it, that, that to me is where it's sad. If it yeah. goes in the direction of like, no, you can't, you know what I mean? But on the flip side, and then I'm going to wrap us up, you know, I could see, and I think with the Kardashians, a lot of people say too, is the aesthetic, right. Of trying to look like, adding, you know, injections into their lips, into their butts their butt. <laughs> and black girls being like, okay, we've only been doing, like, we've only looked like this and have, okay, yeah, join the club now and make it mainstream and make it, make money off it. So that's where I could see that being annoying because you know what I mean? <laughs> it's annoying, but at the end of the day, okay. You're like, I, who cares? We see, have I can see the point, but let her, she wants to put some things in there and say, you know, wow, now I have these hips <laughs> More power to you. I mean, uh, to me, so funny. it's one of those smaller things and that's really micro small to me that people will obsess on instead of looking at the really big things that are Mack trucks standing in front of their face and they can actually do something about and it could be really beautiful and moving forward and yet you want to look at someone's butt because it's too big and you think she had too much injections. In it. You know, like I just, to me, it's too, it, it's not enough to really cause an angst Listen, I've seen Kardashian butts in real life. To Lisa's point, there are bigger fish to fry. Um, <laughs> Coach, Coach Lisa, you are an absolute pleasure. And I'll just leave it at this. Even though you and I accidentally had a matching shirt aesthetic going on today, I so appreciate you celebrating and bringing it back to the individual at the end oh. of the day. So thank you so much for, for, um, enter. What do you think? Cancelable or not our conversation today? I think we're completely cancelable, but hopefully people have learned 
not time to cancel. Let's let the people back in the fold. (laughs) Thank you, Coach Lisa. Oh, I thank you so much, Taylor. You have a blessed and rest of your day.